welcome to the Field Log Podcast, weekly reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I'm your host, Marcian Sicario. Field Log, Day 86, On Dignity. My family crest, the Sicario family crest, has a motto on it and i don't know if it's called a motto or a i guess a slogan maybe i'm not sure but it's in latin and it reads dignitas humilitas fides which means dignity humility and faith or fidelity right this is one of the things i find very interesting is that both faith and fidelity are are very good qualities to have but dignity is first and there's a reason for that right? The idea of dignity is something that I can see being dangerous, that I can see being perverted, that I can see being twisted and maybe even corrupt the mind of a man, right? We talk about this idea a lot on the Field Log podcast, this idea that certain qualities have to be very precariously measured and balanced. For example, the hunger, right? We have a whole episode on this, the hunger. Go listen to that if you haven't already. It should be uh, maybe 20, 30, 40 back. But the idea of the hunger being, of course, that you have to have a deep internal desire to be the man that God is calling you to be, to be an effective man in your community, to make a change for the better in the lives of the people that you meet, if it's just in passing or if it's for an extended period of time. That being said, the hunger can, can become something problematic too, right? Because we, as we all know, the first commitment in the life of a warrior king is the commitment to God, is the commitment to his church, is the commitment to your spiritual growth, because ultimately everything else is temporary and your relationship with God is forever. So if you become too hungry, and I'm really just rehashing that episode at this point, if you become too hungry and you start to crave things for their own reward, if you will, you know, money, cars, expensive watches, dinners, suits, whatever it is, women, then it has become perverted or twisted in you, right? And this word perversion, right? I've mentioned this once before. I'll say it again. Versus is the Proto-Indo-European root for a straight line, right? If you think about poetry, a verse is a line in a, in a poem. And then per means to complete or to bend. So perversion is to bend a straight line. So the hunger in you can be a great motivator to get you to wake up earlier, to go to bed later, to work harder, to say no to social engagements, to walk away from something that you know isn't good for you spiritually. But it can also be a great danger. And I think the same is true for dignity. Right? And I'm going to be drawing relatively heavily on the example of the Savior, Jesus Christ, for this Because I think that the way he balances this is absolutely perfect, of course. I mean, he's perfect in every way. But is absolutely perfect in helping us understand what does it mean to be a man with dignity, to carry yourself with dignity, to have and develop dignity. And why should you, of course? So I think the first thing worth looking at is the scene in... I think it's in all four Gospels, actually. I'm pretty sure it's in all four Gospels. 
the scene where Christ is brought before Pontius Pilate on the charges of, I think technically it was it was high treason because he was calling himself the king of the Jews or people were calling him the king of the Jews and probably just crack your Bible and read back through this. I might, I might be misquoting something. But he was brought before Pontius Pilate and Pontius Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? Right? The idea being that if a man were to call himself a king of anything in the Roman Empire, he would be directly in contradiction to the Caesar at the time, right? who was the actual king, the emperor. And then Christ says, it is as you say. Now, I think, I've always interpreted this to mean, it's probably worth double-checking this, I've always interpreted this to mean that he was saying, well, you said it, yes. But, I think I might have read somewhere that the actual interpretation is, if you say so. So I'm not quite sure, but the idea is that he's brought before this man and he's handcuffed and brought to his knees and being spoken to a certain way, he doesn't beg for his life, he doesn't try to weasel out, he has dignity, right? And the same, I think, is true when, God forgive them for this, the soldiers were beating and mocking the Lord and spitting on him and telling him, that if he were the Messiah or the Son of God, then he could just make them stop. But of course, Christ in his infinite knowledge knew that even this was needed for our salvation, that he be treated like this. So he allowed it to happen. But we have no account in the scriptures anywhere of the Lord begging them to stop or crying out and in in some other way showing what you might call a lack of dignity. So I think we can already see what dignity is. Now, what is it not? And I'll circle back around to what it is, but I want to tell one more parable, or I want to tell one more little story from the scriptures, and then we'll talk about what dignity is and isn't. We'll analyze them. But another thing that comes up in the scriptures, an example of what dignity isn't, is to think that you're better than people. And this one is so dangerous. I fall into this trap all the time. God forgive me. Really, God forgive me. Because at the end of the day, and I always say this, your value as a human being comes from the image of God in you. There's nothing you say. There's nothing you do. There's nothing you earn. There's nothing you wear. There's nothing you drive. There's no one you know. There's nothing you live in that gives you value as a human being. Right? I was having this conversation with someone, I want to say two weeks ago, and she doesn't eat red meat or pork. She only eats chicken. And I asked her why. And then she said, well, mammals, I don't eat mammals because they're more intelligent. So I asked her, so you're saying that the value of a life comes from its intelligence? And she says, yes. And then I said, what about severely autistic people? What about developmentally stunned people? Are you saying that a three-month-old baby is worth less than a fully grown adult? And then, of course, you have to pause and say, well, I suppose not, because that seems crazy. Of course it seems crazy. The value of the baby doesn't come from its intelligence. The value of the adult doesn't come from his intelligence. If someone's in a coma, that person currently is not particularly intelligent. And also, by by the same token, you could take someone with a genius-level IQ of 160, 170, And you can take someone with a very low IQ, let's say 80 or 90, if you think that the average is 100, one out of two people you meet in the streets are below that. Is one life more valuable than the other? Should we be giving IQ tests to people and if you get a 70 or a 60, 
you'll be harvested for your organs to save people who have a 130 or 140. That's insane. That's eugenics. So your value as a human being doesn't come from any quality in you. So you cannot think that you are better than people. You can think that you're better at certain things than other people, and that's just reality, right? I'm better at weightlifting than my mother. That, that one seems obvious. My mother is far better at cooking and finance stuff than I am. She does that for a living. She's a financial advisor. She's better at that than I am. But she's not better than I am. Right? That's the difference. So what dignity isn't is thinking you're better than people. And the Lord demonstrates this by eating with tax collectors, with prostitutes, with sinners. And all of the righteous Jews, of course, are saying, who is this man? Why is he eating with all these sinners? What's wrong with him? Right? Doesn't he have dignity? And I'm, I'm adding that last piece. That, that's not a direct quote. But you can imagine that that's the thought. Doesn't he have any dignity? Why would he be spending time with these people? Well, the reality is that having dignity, as it appears to me, having dignity doesn't mean to think that certain things are below your dignity. And maybe some things might be, but the majority of things that people find distasteful are not below your dignity. Right? One of the things I like to do on church cleanup days, we have two a year, one before Pascha, one before Nativity. One of the things I like to do to keep myself humble, right? And I, I try to work on this all the time, humility. And we have an episode on that. But I try to work on this all the time to not think that certain things are above me. So when I show up on church cleaning days, I will volunteer to clean the toilets. Just to remind myself that it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter who you are. You are not above simple tasks. You are not above people in need. You are not above people who are less successful than you. Certainly not that last one. So I think we have a good example there that the Lord gives us of what it doesn't mean, or what rather what dignity doesn't mean, right? He was born in a manger. This was all orchestrated by God, right? God sent the archangel Gabriel to the Theotokos, telling her that you're, you're going to conceive a child, right? And that child is going to be the Messiah. And she said, let it be done unto your maidservant as the Lord says, or something along those lines. I think I might have flipped that a little bit. So, as the Lord said, as the Lord planned, as the Lord willed, so it was done with her consent, with her assent. Of course, the Lord called her and she answered the call. That's what we do, right? As warrior kings, we are called to live a certain life, to work, to plan, to study, to forgive, to grow. The good Lord calls us to that, but you can reject the call. And we do every day in small ways, sometimes big ways. God forgive us. So the Lord orchestrated this, that he would be born in a manger to show his humility, to give an example to us. If God himself can lay in what's essentially a feeding trough, I think a manger is a feeding trough, and correct me if I'm wrong about that, what's essentially a feeding trough, if the Lord can do that, can you not clean a toilet? Can you not talk to somebody who maybe is quote-unquote, right, big fat air quotes, below your station. Right? That, that's not what dignity is. What dignity is, is the first example, is that at all times, you maintain your sense of worth. 
you understand that I'm not better, but I am, just like everyone else, infinitely valuable in the eyes of God. And if I am infinitely valuable in the eyes of God, then I should, to the best of my ability, protect that worth. Right? You should value yourself more than eating like garbage and being 40 pounds overweight. You should value yourself more than sleeping with anybody who shows interest in you as if your sexuality isn't some gift from God. You should value yourself more than dressing yourself in dirty clothes and wrinkled clothes. You should value yourself more than that. You should have dignity because you teach people with every action that you take. You teach people how to treat you. People learn how to treat you from you. Right? And everybody has certain ways that he or she treats other people. And sometimes you meet somebody and that person treats you in a certain way. And then you can very quickly nip that in the bud if it's not to the level of your dignity. Right? If somebody insults you or dismisses you or does something along those lines and you realize that that's not appropriate behavior, you put your foot down. You're a man. Put your foot down. Do it in a gentle and loving way. Correct someone in a loving way. Right? Sometimes it happens to me. I have a lot of friends who are not Orthodox, who are not even Christian. Many of my friends are like this. And I pray for them, of course. But I have plenty of friends who will send me jokes, who will send me little videos blaspheming the Lord. Right? And I will have to tell those friends in gentleness and in love, that's blasphemy. Right? There are so many funny videos that you can show me. That you can watch yourself. Why watch this one? This is blasphemy. You can't do that. Not to me at least. You know, I, I can't control what you do when you're not around me. But when you're around me, you're, don't show me this. Don't send me this. I say that in love. I say I still love you. I still respect you. I just want you to know that this is off limits. Right? Or if you're in a relationship and the woman you're with disrespects you, you tell her in a loving way, Listen, I respect you. I care about you very much. You're going to respect me. It's going to happen. This is a fact. You have to stand up for yourself first before you can expect anyone to take you seriously. Right? Don't do it in rage. Don't do it out of pettiness. Don't do it when you're worked up, right? Turning the other cheek. We've talked about this concept, turning the other cheek. We've talked about this. Right? Father Spiridon explains it as when one cheek is hit by somebody, you, that cheek is red and angry. Right? That cheek was aggravated. That cheek is inflamed. You turn the other cheek, which is still calm and soothed, if you will, soothed, and not red and not angry. So you turn to the person who hurt you a side that is calm and loving. That doesn't mean you don't defend yourself. It doesn't mean that sometimes you don't have to retaliate in order to prevent future harm. But that's what we do. Somebody hurts you, someone disrespects you, you say it in love and in kindness. One of the things I see all the time, especially in people who may not, may not be particularly confident, is those people take all kinds of abuse, verbal, God forbid, sometimes even physical. They take all kinds of abuse, and then one day they just snap. They explode. Right, I was having a conversation with my mom. I want to say a couple of days ago, 
And I was explaining to her some theological concept in orthodoxy, right? My mom's not orthodox, but she is. She knows about orthodoxy through me. She sometimes comes to church with me. She has uh, one or two icons in her house that I've gifted her, right? She's by and large not against the idea of orthodoxy, but she's not orthodox herself. And that's fine. That's her free will. I understand that. But I was explaining to her the concept of loving your enemies. And I could tell that that was a very foreign idea to her, right? To me as a Christian, it's very normal now to think about this, right? The Lord says, what, what, cre what credit is it to you to love your friends? Everyone loves his friends. Everybody, thieves, murderers, adulterers, idolaters, everyone loves his friends. Everybody, everyone loves his friends. So if you want to have exceptional love the way God has exceptional love, you love your enemies. But as I, as I was explaining it to her, she started to get angry. Right? She started to get very angry and started giving examples. You know, what about murderers? What about child molesters? What about, and I said, yes, them too, everybody. And, you know, this sort of visible anger came over her. She started to get very worked up. And then I realized that that conversation wasn't fruitful and I was really just causing anger in her. So I quickly changed the subject because we have to be careful what emotions we evoke in people, if we have control over it, right? Like it's, you know, there's no harm to me to not talk about this particular theological concept. Maybe it wasn't the time yet. But that, that as an example for people who sometimes harbor anger in themselves, who sometimes tolerate things that they shouldn't tolerate, and then it comes out at the strangest times, right? I've seen this where, or, you know, you hear about this too, where there's a relationship and maybe a man is, in a relationship with a woman and he's very careless and he never thinks about how she feels or, or what, what things that he's saying or doing, what they're doing to her and how they're making her feel, which, you know, quick aside, guys, pay close attention. Because a lot of times in order not to upset you or start an argument, because a lot of women are very peace oriented, right? Men tend to have, and this is clinically validated, don't shoot the messenger. Men have lower agreeableness than women. Agreeableness is a psychological trait, which is essentially your, how comfortable are you with conflict? I'm very low agreeableness, meaning I'm very comfortable with conflict. It doesn't bother me that much. Whereas someone else, like I said, primarily women, and again, this is clinically validated. They've done studies on this. Women are more conflict averse. They don't want to argue. They don't want to fight. So a lot of times you'll see this where a man is doing all kinds of things that his woman might not like, and he's not paying attention and then one day he does the smallest thing and she blows up, starts yelling, starts screaming, starts maybe even throwing things. And then he's standing there completely confused. What's, what's going on? Your reaction is completely out of order with what it is that I just did. I mean, I understand if you're mad about this, I see it now, but it's relatively minor. Well, she's carrying all that anger. So one of the great benefits of carrying yourself with dignity is that won't happen to you. If you teach people how to treat you early on, you treat yourself with respect, right? You respect yourself more than to let yourself sleep in every day. You respect yourself more than to put garbage into your body every single meal. You respect yourself more than to let your body just languish and not be trained and not be ready for whatever situation might arise. You, you respect yourself more than that. You have dignity. You carry yourself with dignity. If you do that, then there won't be a need to blow up. There won't be a need to shove your feelings down, right? One of the things you should never do is compromise your principles. 
right? I like to make a distinction between principles and preferences. Your preferences, it is very good for you to compromise your preferences. Every opportunity you get, in fact, it's very good. It's very humbling for you to compromise your preferences. For example, you're in a relationship and let's say you're married and you like to sleep on the right side of the bed. Well, your wife also likes to sleep on the right side of the bed. That's a preference. It's very good for you to sacrifice that and say, you know what? That's fine. I'll, I'll sleep on the left side. Now, if you have a principle like I don't tolerate lies, right? And we're not talking about small lies. Like how much did you spend on this makeup? Oh, it's like $50. She doesn't want to tell you it was $150. Something like that. I mean, you know, okay, I get it. But, you know, big lies. Where were you last night? Oh, I was with my friends, but she was actually with, let's say, some other man. God forbid, of course. And I would hope that you have the foresight to choose a woman who doesn't have that quality. And I would, of course, pray that I have the foresight to do that as well. When slash if the time comes. But you never, as a man, ever compromise your principles, ever. If there's a great job opportunity, lots of money, lots of wealth that you can use for good, but you'd have to do something that compromises your principles. You'd have to work, let's say, for an organization that goes against what you believe in, right? Let's say you're a Christian, and you should be if you're listening to this, and you get the opportunity to work for, I don't know, Atheists United or something as a media manager, and they're offering you $200,000 a year. Can't do it. That's what dignity is. To understand that your value as a human being, your value as a child of the creator, right? You are made a child of God through baptism, by the way. Common misconception is that we're not all children of God. You are made an adopted child of the Father through baptism by putting on Christ. If you understand that about yourself, if you have the dignity to act accordingly, then you have the chance to be a great man. Then and only then. When you act in dignity. So today, as usual, you know what to do. You pull out your notes app. You pause this episode. You pull out your calendar, whatever it is that you use for planning. And you carve out five or ten minutes to think about dignity. Maybe you think about it all the time. Maybe you've never thought about it. I think about it all the time, of course, because it's part of my family crest, my family motto. Think about this. Do you act with dignity? And if not, why not? Is that something that you want for yourself? Or do you want to teach your children and your wife one day how to act with dignity? Let's say you have sons and your son is pursuing some girl and then she breaks up with him and he starts groveling. Please take me back. I'll do anything. I'll change whatever you want. Let's say that, you know, he didn't make some sort of crazy mistake or anything. And he's acting out of character. That Wouldn't that? make you angry that your son isn't acting with dignity is that she broke up with you she doesn't want to be with you let it go let it go i used to do this when i was 21 22 right? i was in a relationship with a girl and she would break up with me and i would beg her there's no dignity in that how can a woman ever respect a man like that so think about that today are you acting in dignity and if not how can you build it can you remind yourself every day can you make it part of your journaling practice can you write down on a scale of one to five, did I act with dignity today? If yes, how? What were the examples? If not, why not? If you do that, you start acting in dignity, you will be the kind of man that people respect and you'll be the kind of leader that people look up to. And ultimately, that's what we're going for is the ability to lead people 
into the kingdom, into a fulfilling, purpose-driven life to take care of people. And you can't do that without dignity. So do that today. Look at the conclusions you come to. And from today forward, resolve yourself to always act with dignity. That's it for this week's Field Log. If you like what you heard today, you can follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now. You can also rate the show. That always helps out a lot. You can find me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at marcian.cx for field log snippets, art, philosophy, and training-related content. You can also visit the website at marcian.cx for much more of the same. I'm still working on consolidating the Warrior King content into the marcian.cx project. So check back at the website soon for the new and improved Warrior King training protocol, which is going to include supersets and my updated supplement recommendations. There's also a 2024 goal-setting guide on the way, and of course the Warrior King newsletter. If any of that sounds appealing to you, the links to everything are in the show notes below. It's all free, and as always, conquer the day.